1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to help you save some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, put days like this in context because they're difficult. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at you, Kramer. All right, look, the Fed's at war with inflation. And they didn't exactly win the battle with today's Consumer Price Index report at 8 30 this morning. Yep, we got another overheated CPI, not what they wanted, not as bad as last month, but way too elevated. Well when I talk about the Fed winning or losing the fight against inflation, I mean the fight to tamp down expensive spending, allowing overset, stretched supply chains to play catch up, easing some of the strain of the labor market, and of course, make it so it doesn't cost so much for dinner. So there's at least one front in this war where Jay does keep winning, though. And it's one that you and I don't want to hear. It's one that is absolutely driving us crazy. He's winning the fight against the stock market. Or, because remember, the stock market is an amazing source of funds to buy things, raise kids, retire with them, take vacations. And it's all being obliterated right before our eyes. Once again, the Dow lost another 327 points. SP topped 1.65%, but the Nasdaq plunged 3.18%. And that is one of the more quiet but devastating bear sessions in recent history. It just kept dripping and dripping and dripping. Plus, we had more large cap disappointments just this evening. It's not letting up. And it is, as the late Jackie Gleason would say, a revolting development. And these are just the big averages. It's even more obvious when you look at the collapse of the IPO market and see the stocks in the Russell 1000, which contains the largest, 1,000 largest publicly traded companies in America. Within that index, we're witnessing the most extreme wealth destruction that we've seen since the dot-com bust in 2000, or maybe in 2008, 2009. I want to put this moment in perspective. So I asked CNBC's amazing statistician, Gina Francola to come up with a list of the worst performers in the Russell 1000 since the Fed took away the punch bar. And that was done last November. Now some of these have gotten so small that I I normally hesitate to mention them on air, but I think it's important to highlight them because I want you to get the complete picture. So let's start out with the biggest loser, and that's a company called Carvana, the digital used car retailer. For for years, I loved Carvana's business model until it got too expensive, and I told them you you had to sell it last summer. Good call. Carvana had already come down to 284 last November. Now it's at 30 after doing a giant secondary offering at 80. Not long ago. Just enough to raise money to stay in business. This 89% decline is now accompanied by the layoffs, as we learned today, of 2,500 people. Get used to hearing these kinds of numbers, people. I think they'll loom much larger after the Fed's next rate hike or two. Number two is Upstart. That was at 205 last November. It's now 28 down 86. We had this AI-powered loan originator on last night, it was somewhat contentious. They talked about how well they've been growing, but because of their business model, they've been hurt by soaring interest rates. I was hoping Upstart would be more of a loan facilitator, a platform, rather than an actual lender. I thought they have what I call an asset-light model. Not anymore. I begged them to get the loans off their books, but they seem sanguine about this part of the business. I am not sanguine. Like many, I had high hopes at one time for skills, S-K-I-L-Z, you know, well, You can see it, it's kind of I-L-L-Z. That's a mobile gaming company that hosts casual esports contests. I thought that was a great business. I was wrong. we in the parlance of Kathy Wood. Early Skills has lost eighty-five percent of its value since November as business has dried up. That's because the company tried to give us what we've been asking for: profitable growth. But it's nowhere near break-even, so it can't do it. Skills is hemorrhaging money. The beauty of skills was that you could wager on other people's video games while playing at home. The ugly of skills is that we're not stuck at home anymore. It was a total pandemic play after all. Number four is Unity Software. We've got them on the show tonight. It's a very well-run company. It makes tools for both game developers and the metaverse, or the omniverse. The stock was doing fabulously, but then Apple put through some privacy rules, clobbered their mobile business, and when you're st- they also had a, a self-inflicted error, an engineer error. When your stock goes from 177 to 30 that's an 83% decline, that is serious wealth destruction for many people. In other words, if you had a sizable position in Unity, you're a lot less likely to buy a new car or take a vacation to Italy. Unity is a real company that can turn a profit in the not-too-distant future. But anything connected to gaming is now in the doghouse as the world goes back to normal. Fifth, Rivian was supposed to be the... Best manufacturer, tens of thousands of electric delivery trucks, the kind of trucks Amazon desperately needs. Even Ford had a stake in it, too. But they watched the stock go from 118 last November to just under 30 last week. Then Ford sold 8 million shares over the weekend, putting even more pressure on the stock. Now Rivian's at 21. Turns out Ford was right to get out. Can you believe it? They still have tons left, though. The band got worse. That's the story of of this market. Their numbers this very evening were terrible. Six, too simple, T-U-S-I-M-P-L, is another one that was too simple with very cool-looking self-driving truck technology. The stock's gone from 37 in November to $7 today. That's a pathetic 81% decline. And what do we have to show for it? Beats me. Now, how can you not like an energy storage solutions play that optimizes the grid like Fluence Energy? Well, you probably don't like it if you bought the stock at 36 in November because you now got stuck with a $7 piece of paper. Eighth Go Health had already been annihilated going into November when it was only at $3.60. Now it's at 76 cents. I usually don't talk about stocks as low, but this is a health insurance marketplace, and I think it's a victim of volume. The brokerage firms pumped out too many healthcare IPOs that fit the COVID theme to help you navigate the thicket of healthcare laws. Can't say- too much, though, because it's too small. Ninth, Wayfair, online furniture retailer, consummate pandemic play, struggling as the world goes back to normal. The most recent quarter was terrible. The stock has plunged from 258 to 52. Hideous. I honestly don't know what to do with this company other than sell it, because I can't figure out what could help them be turned around. Before the pandemic, Wayfair looked broken. I think it looks broken again. Number 10, I never liked Novavax. This has historically not been a successful vaccine developer, and I figured they'd have an also ran against COVID, even as they repeatedly told us they were at the head of the, of the pack. Lots of people believe them. That's how the stock got bid up to 258 in November. But now the believers have vanished, which is why it's come down to 42. I think it's got more downside, given that it was in the single digits for ages for the pandemic. Number 11 is Fastly had such promise because it had the best Internet technology to host some terrific clients. But the business slowed, had a bad outage, and now it's fallen from 41 to 10, down 75 percent. Again, I don't know, maybe it can be taken over. I have nothing. I don't I don't have a reason. Finally, let's not forget about Netflix, which has fallen from 659 in November to 166 today. You could argue it's now gotten cheaper versus subscriber count. But we don't know if the business will keep deteriorating too much competition. These beaten down stocks can all be bolstered by M&A, but it sure hasn't happened yet. They can potentially innovate their way out of this dilemma. But what I care about is all of this wealth destruction makes those stocks the Trump cards in J-PAL's war against inflation. The losses in these names represent the extra vacation, the new roof, the fancy dinner, the staircase, the kitchen remodeling, the bath remodeling, the nice clothes. Now they're all going to be stopped. The losses slow the economy. This is a rogues gallery of losers that's expanding every day. Like tonight, when one of my favorites, Dutch Bros, took my breath away with a terrible number when they have been growing like bad. Miserable. Same with almost all the IPOs and the SPACs. Their declines are part of the the fight against inflation. And for who knows? You know, I haven't talked about systemic risk in a long time. But when you look at what's going on with stablecoin, you start thinking, all right, I see why a lot of people want to get out. Sadly, for our portfolios, including my travel trust, things aren't working. I get that. It's ugly. It's painful. But the bottom line is, it's exactly what the Fed needs on still one more day where a government inflation figure is just too darn hot. One day this will end, and we will look back and find, even on this list, some great bargains. But right now, you can pick at losers and be patient. For the most part, though, Patience is decidedly, in this business, not a virtue. Let's go to Betsy in California, please. Betsy. Well, Jim, there's one way that patience is a virtue, and that is if you read Kramer's books and you figured out that there's always the bull
2: market somewhere. Well, uh, thank you so much. What is the opposite? Jim, what's the opposite side of Apple? You know what it is? No. It's it's Hershey.
1: Because Um, because Apple... Apple's lost 17, whatever, and Hershey's
2: up. Well, you know why Hershey's
1: up, uh, Betsy? Because uh, uh, there's a person by the name of Michelle Buck who runs it. And I had the privilege of pulling up with her. She is so smart. She totally understood what this company needed to do, and we should be grateful that she's there running that company. And thank you for the kind words. I'm doing my best. These are very trying days. My 18th year of trying to do this, trying to keep things together. It's not easy, but we will figure it out together. We always have, and we always will. Michael in Delaware. Michael. Hey, Jim. How's it going? All right. How are you? Oh, I had better. starts to the year, let me tell you. All right. But. I'm calling about Bosch Health. Uh, I've seen companies get cut in half just
3: this week. I can give you two dozen of them. This one is another one. What should I do with it? I think this is being, $10 mark.
1: I, I don't usually like to make these charges. I think it's being manipulated down. I do ne- I almost, you never hear me make that kind of charge. But there's no reason for this stock to be where it is. I have told Joe Papa that it is kind of insane. There is no way that the parents should be this much smaller in the sub. There's no way that this company, which it was doing, that maybe there was like a 2 to 4% difference in what people thought should lose 50% of its value. My channel trust is sticking by it. You could say, well, so what, Jim? Your channel trust owns things like Apple. Isn't that horrible? I don't know. I've owned Apple for 15 years. What am I? going to say, blow it all out because a couple of bad days, that's not how I play it. It's ugly. It's painful. And it's exactly what the Fed needs on still one more day where a government inflation number is just too high. And that's what's going to happen because good news is bad right now. Well, man, money tonight. Unity plummeted today on weak revenue guidance, even though it's a very good company. So are investors getting a buying opportunity in the stock or is it just too late already? I'm checking with the CEO. Then I'm talking chips with recent dip with Global Foundry CEO. that is the most successful foundry in our country. And as Roblox hit a new roadblock in this market or we'll could after this dramatic decline, it time has come. Let's sit down with a very level-headed CEO and figure out what to do with a company that has three billion dollars in cash and a heck of a lot of cash flow. So stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of mad money.
1: If you're looking at a stock that's down 60%, 70% from the November highs, and you're wondering how much lower it can go, well, the answer is it can be lower. This market is merciless to fall in momentum names. People are so unhappy right now. I know that you are, I am. When former high flyers report good numbers, nobody cares. When they disappoint, look out below. Which well, is what just happened to Kramer Fave, Unity Software, an amazing company, which makes tools for video game developers with a metaverse kicker. Last night, these guys reported a basically inline quarter, much worse than expected guidance for the current quarter. But Matt, Matt Management cut their full year forecast, but they gave you a re- really interesting and important reason why this happened, and the stock plunged nearly $18 or 37% today. What went wrong? A lot of Unity's business connected to mobile gaming, so they've been hit by Apple's new privacy restrictions on targeted advertising. That's, in their forward, uh, that's the future. The company had to develop its own ad tracking tool in response, but apparently there was a serious engineering error that meant the targeting wasn't very good. Management says they fixed the problem, but it'll take a couple of quarters before they can get past the damage. So what do we do now? Unity's come down roughly 85% from its size. This is a great company, people. Yet it's hard to call the stock cheap in this environment, given that it's not expected to turn a profit until 2026. And that's what we care about. First, we need to get our, our heads around what really happened here. So let's talk to John Ricatello. He's an old hand, the executive chairman and CEO of Unity Software, who can walk us through what happened. Mr. Ricatello, welcome back to Mad Money.
6: Hey, Jim. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. All right. So, John, so
1: you- a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
6: You want me to walk through it or you want to ask questions? Either Well, way first,
1: fun. I wanted to start at a high level. You and I have been at this for a long time. One of the things you said is that you know that this business has been through every single cycle and it always comes out on top. And I want you to remind people that because when they buy the stock now, they may think that this is a business that's ending. It's never been like that.
6: Well, look, so um, look, there's, it's sort of really interesting times. And I would just make a couple of points. Um, after multiple 40% recorders, we reported a top of guidance 36% quarter, um, but we brought our guidance down. And you know, what that's about is self-inflicted wound. Um, we did some things on the advertising side of the business that um, reduced the accuracy of our models. It's going to take us a couple quarters to fix, and we're going to have slower growth for a couple of quarters while we fix that. Um, you know, I hate reporting self, self-inflicted wounds, but that's what we got second point is um, our create side of the business is really the heart of the company um we reported 65 percent growth in the first quarter with prognosis for continued gains as we're winning in gaming we're winning with artists um we're winning with in, in in verticals outside of gaming in a huge ways with names like lockheed and mercedes-benz and people in the solar industry and architecture and construction um it's actually quite amazing and of course that incredible story gets washed out a little bit when you've got a self-inflicted wound in the period you have it. Now, the last point I would put on on all of this is that look, we know our stock was a lot higher, you know, 9 months ago at the very peak of the market. And my sense is we probably had about 10% too much in in, in spending in our business as a consequence of sort of the euphoria that goes with that. And one of the things we did when we started to realize that you know we have this you know, short-term challenge is we brought our spending down by about $100 million in our plans or compared to our plans. So what that allows us to do is to bring profitability from future years into this year. Um, at the end of this year, Q4, we expect to be profitable. So um, we do that because we think being a little leaner and a little more focused will make us stronger for the long term. So we still think that we've got years and years of better than 30% growth in front of us on the basis of this huge tidal wave of interest in things that are real-time 3D. Um, and we think there's nothing stopping that. I've never seen this much demand. Um, speed bump, we got to get around it, we got to fix it. Um, the first step to doing that is owning up to it, which we've done, and, and we've got most of it behind us. got to get the rest of us out and get back on the track we've been on.
1: All right. So how are we doing? Is it ad supported? How are we doing with this uh, Apple privacy? Is that something that you think you can come to terms with and do well enough for your customers?
6: Yeah, we, that's largely digested. And okay. so, um, you know, that's not really the issue. What, what happened here for us is that was baked into our guidance this year. Right. What happened to us this year is we, we, we made, you know, some false steps around our, our platform, which is very data centric. And it resulted in a slowdown, lesser performance. The issues are fixed, but now we have to rebuild the data and get back on track. We expect that'll impact Q2 and Q3 and we'll be back on track in Q4 with the, with the monetization part of the business, the advertising part of the business. But then the rest of the business, the great side, is, is, is really cooking. And, you know, we see win after win after win. And um, I can't tell you how much excitement is, you know, exists for that side of the business.
1: Well, I did feel that you're a combination of the great things that Jensen Wong is doing at NVIDIA for the industrial and digital twin and for the things that Mark Zuckerberg is going to be doing for Meta and that you can do either side of it and that the demand from both sides is extraordinary.
6: It is. But although I tell you that. One of the things I like about Jensen and NVIDIA is he didn't use the word metaverse. Um, he called it omniverse. What he's right. talking about there is a, an NVIDIA-centric offering. And we're talking about real-time 3D. Is hundreds of companies. We have 3,000 customers now for our tools outside of gaming. And what they're basically trying to say is the next version of the internet is 3D. It's real-time. It's a lot more personal. It's a much richer and better experience. My sense is every website in the world, 90% of them are going to be on real-time 3D by the end of the decade. Now, if you go way back to 2000, the last time we had a crash this severe, the Internet was in question. It's not right. now. Right. Everyone's got a website. Same time frame here, five, seven years from now, everyone's going to have a real-time 3D. and We're going to power that. I, I shy away from metaverse as a term because it's so misused and overused and misunderstood. Good point. People Good get, point. You know, So I'm tired of that. We're focused on what we do best. We deliver a, a monetization and, and operations platform for companies that build in real-time 3D, and most of them are coming to us.
1: Well, I want to leave it on one note because I think everyone's going to see this. The Avatar 2 and your role in Avatar 2 because Avatar 1, my wife and I, favorite movie. Talk to us about Avatar 2 and what, you, what role you played.
6: Well, first off, let me be really clear. Um, James Cameron's a genius. And so right. you know, he has very high standards. And the, the way they get to their special effects, that incredible look, is with a great group of people at Weta FX. This is Peter Jackson's company. And the tools right. they use to create those visual effects are the digital tools that come from Unity, the Weta digital tools. We own those. It's an amazing team. Uh, their trailer came out on May 6th. If, you know, those of you out there in TV land, if you haven't seen it, this is what you can do with Unity. It is amazing.
1: Well, you know what? That's what we're going to do, because you're certainly not buying the stock at a price that I think if you're going to get everything right by fourth quarter, you're going to look back and say, what was I doing waiting? Why was I waiting? Why was I waiting? The answer is you're probably worried about three down instead of 30 up or more than that. John Bricatello has been around for a long time and has been successful at everything he's done. CEO of Unity Software, Letter U. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, John. May Money money's back
4: after the break. Coming up, when the chips are down, are there still profits to be found? Kramer gets a global view next. You seek the
0: key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
2: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
1: Late last year, I started warning you away from every new IPO. Pretty decent call, with one exception. A company called Global Foundries one of the world's largest semiconductor manufacturers. After all, we've got a worldwide chip shortage that could last for years. Fast forward roughly six months, and nearly everything from the class of 2021 is down down big, while Global Foundries is basically flat. And in the market like this, flat represents real outperformance. Now, last night, Global Foundries reported what I thought was an excellent quarter, an 18-cent earnings speed off a 24-cent basis, strong sales, huge gross margins, not to mention strong guidance for the current quarter. The stock didn't get much credit. You know, it's a bad market, okay? Uh all things tech, anything today, and this one finished down more than 7%, but that's par for the course these days. Well, I don't, you know what? I think it's a buying opportunity, plain and simple. Don't take it from me. Let's think deeper with Dr. Tom Caulfield, who is the president and CEO of Global Foundries, who joins us now as our first in-studio guest in more than two years. Tom, welcome back to Man Money. I'll give you one of these. Who <laughs> yes. the heck knows? Have a seat. Hey, I'm right.
3: really uh, honored to be
1: here. Thank oh, you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Let's start right from the beginning. You have a, a fantastic business. Tell people how sold out you are for
3: your product. I think we're sold out 2022, 2023. And that's as we're adding capacity as fast as we can make investments.
1: And as you do it, you are also a beacon because you're, although not necessarily controlled by an American company, you are in America. So when we read about flyovers in Taiwan Semi and we think that we don't make anything here, you make things here.
3: Yeah, you know, we we make things here. We're we're a U.S. manufacturer. We also have facilities in Germany and Singapore. And I think that's a little bit at the heart of what you're seeing today. Look how many businesses are suffering from supply chain woes. A lot of that has been the practices over the last two decades, where driving efficiency and cost has created a lot of single points of failure. Now, the very nature of GF is about supply chain balance. Right. We operate on three continents. Therefore, we have three different kind of supply chains. We offer that flexibility to our customers. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to see some of the shift in supply chain management to be a little bit more balanced. And I think that's a real opportunity for GF.
1: If I go to any one of your foundries, is it 24-7? I mean, is there even a second in downtime?
3: No. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, and even with that, running white hot, you know, over the stated capacity. You know, we try to do everything to get every wafer we can out right now for our customers who are in dire needs for our capacity.
1: Now, you have spoken to me and taught me, frankly, about the concept of the full-featured SEMI. In other words, not the SEMI necessarily goes into the high-performance computing, but the ones that are really slowing down American manufacturing.
3: Yeah. so we call this feature-rich silicon. Think about a secure pay transaction. Well, that requires embedded memory. We make that type of technology. Think about your mobile device connecting to a cell tower to transmit voice and, and data. We make the chips in those front-end modules. In fact, we're at the center of the j- transition to 5G technology. That's what we call feature-rich. It represents 75% of the semiconductor market. And over the last decade, there's been a lot of underinvestment with a bigger focus on with the high-speed digital compute that you talk about. And so that's what we're trying to really catch up to now, is how do we get, make rational investments to get that supply-demand balance.
1: Okay, I have this terrific Ford Maverick. Candidly, it took me eight months to get it. I just love it. Small 4 by 4 bed. It's perfect for me. They were held up by semiconductors. Like if I were running for it, I would call Tom Caulfield and say, Tom, what do you need? How about a five-year agreement for chips? Can we do something like that? Well, you, you,
3: first of all, I have a Ford Maverick too. It's a great it, car. Isn't
1: it the greatest? Yeah. I have the Area Blue Fifty One. I don't know what you
3: have. No, I was, should have got that. Yeah, My son talked cool. mad of it. Okay. okay. So uh, let's talk about it both tactically and strategically. Tactically, we're doing everything we can. We're doing the best we can to allocate. But I don't think you'll hear much about GF being the absolute gate right now. We're not the only semiconductor company that makes chips for automotive. Right. I think it's more important is how the auto industry is setting themselves up for the future. Uh, first is we're adding capacity at okay. pace, and a lot of that is focused on the auto market. OK, good. The second part of it is automakers are now thinking deeper into their supply chain and they're talking to companies like GF to go make sure that capacity that we put on is put on for them. But
1: they should have been doing that years ago. They should have been dealing with you directly. They should have been just saying, hey, listen, just in time, I'll call you when I need you. That's not the way business should have been done.
3: Well, I'm not going to comment on how they should have or shouldn't, but I think you're going to see, back to my opening comment, there'll be a better balance on how supply okay. change is thought through, because you see the economic damage you can do to a business with oh, not having God. supply, and it, it certainly outweighs over time that damage than the, the, <laughs> so, the, the cost you get in a very tactical, short-sighted. All
1: view. right, so we have this Chips Act that we want. Now I look at you and I say, this man is spending millions of dollars. Billions. At- Billions of dollars. And other guys want it to be from the government. How do you rationalize the situation where you're out there spending your shareholders' money, doing the right thing? Other people just want the government to be able to pay for everything.
3: Well, let me take that apart a little bit. Okay, Let's first start. What is the problem we're trying to solve? Today, we have a half a trillion dollar semiconductor industry. 50% of that demand is generated through U.S. headquartered companies. But only 12% is manufactured in the U.S. That's, that's terrible. So, so Why? Other nations have policies that promote manufacturing in the regions because they view it as critical to their economy, their sovereign security. I think the U.S. now sees that they need policies that will make manufacturing in the U.S. globally competitive. That's the aim of the chips bill. And the thing about it is GF is ready to do its part. We'll expand our facilities when that chips bill is funded. It'll be a catalyst for us to make further investments in the U.S. We're already spending over a billion dollars In the U.S. as we speak, to add capacity to our most advanced facility in uh, upstate New York. Well,
1: I want to end on this because people are really gloomy. I mean, I, I don't speak to any business people who are gloomy. You have a story to tell. You're sold out to the end of 23. Everybody wants your chips. These chips are exactly what we need. And you're willing to help out our great country in building more in order to make it so we're more chip independent.
3: Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Why not? I mean, all I hear about is gloomy people are like upset. That's not my DNA. I see someone like you doing the right thing. And I just want to congratulate you you for running 24-7 for all the people you got running 24-7 and for what you want to do to make our country, uh, I don't think it used to be energy safe. I want us to be semiconductor safe. And you're doing it.
3: You know, and you started the show citing out the results we put up. That doesn't happen by accident. No? That happens because we have 15,000 people worldwide, dedicated, passionate, committed to doing their part for the industry and the company and our customers. And, you know, that, that it's, I appreciate you noting that.
1: Absolutely. It's what has to happen. Thanks. We're going to be a great country again. That's what has to happen. Thank you so much to Tom Caulfield, CEO of Global Foundries, the one, the one IPO I liked in the last year. Mad Money's back after the break.
4: Coming up, a stock on the chopping block? Kramer checks in on a metaverse player that has investors frowning in this reality, next.
1: another really hideous day, including a hideous evening, where a morning rally turned into an afternoon rally, getting used to that, right? There were a few relative bright spots, like the rebound in the stock of Roblox, the online gaming platform that's the closest thing to a metaverse we have right now, where users can create their own digital worlds and share them with friends. This is yet another formerly high-flying growth stock that's been obliterated since the Fed declared war on inflation in November. Many of these reported n- bad numbers this er- er- earning season, and it's all their stocks got it, but Roblox is different. Last night, they reported a seemingly disappointing quarter. Headline numbers missed. Operating metrics for April didn't look too great either. Initially, the stock plummeted after hours for use to that, but as investors took more time to process the results, they started focusing on the positives. Roblox had much better than expected free cash flow, which is the most important metric for these unprofitable tech companies. Then on the conference call this morning, management explained that while April wasn't great, it represented improvement over March, and they expect more improvements this month. They even called March the bottom, and that's why the stock finished the session up 3.3%. Is it possible we've also so a the bottom of the stock, you know, I don't want to have any excessive exuberance. But I do want to talk with Dave Buzuki. He's the founder and chairman of CEO of Roblox. Get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Bazuki. welcome
7: back to Mad Money. Jim, thank you. As always, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I appreciate it. All right. So, David, I'm going to go to something people don't talk about enough. You have the freedom
1: to develop things that are not uh, that are safe and good and learning. And you have that because you have $3 billion in cash, you have a lot of cash flow, and you have a lot of people who depend on roadblocks for the next level of education and play in a safe way. And that's what you're really about, correct?
7: Well, we're, we're about innovation. We're always about safety and civility. It's been the foundation of our com- you know company since we started We do have a big vision about our platform supporting not just play and social and helping people stay connected during COVID, but as we emerge from COVID, ultimately helping people learn, experience entertainment, connect with friends and family, and someday we'll use Roblox in our own office to stay connected as some of our people work remotely.
1: And you also pointed out to me in a very straightforward way that, look, I mean, you were up against some of the hardest comparisons imaginable and how long people, kids can play games because the world did change. You actually you benefit, obviously, the pandemic, but you're still benefiting.
7: Yeah, well, um, you know, we shared we jumped from, uh, say, two million to three million daily actives in the United States in the nine through 12 segment during covid. We've kept those users. They're not playing quite as many hours, right. but um, they're still on the platform. And we're continuing to grow around the world. Uh, Japan has tripled in the last year. India's up by around 2.5x. In our core market, 17 through 24 users, those showed great year-on-year great gains. So both around the world, all ages, as well as our core demo.
1: Right. So how do we value in a world where people want uh, they want tangible growth right now. Roblox is giving them lots of cash flow and building up a great a great franchise. What do you tell them? do you say look, just go along these
7: guys are the winners? Um, I think we tell our, our really we're doing various things. we're both growing of course, users engagement. We are also aware of the enormous economic opportunity and possibilities on our platform. And I think this quarter is the first time we've come out and said, look, we're going to nudge a bit towards the efficient frontier on our economy, both around how we do search and discovery, the amazing uh, possibilities for how brands can bring traffic, and also our, our UGC catalog, which has an, an enormous amount of economic activity. So we are leaning in on this. And I think there's, there's a lot of room here on our economy. Now, speak to me about the notion of the two different kinds
1: of, of ways to deal with Internet. There's an unsafe, combative way that calls for an engagement of blood sport. And then there's a way of interactive where everybody wins and our kids are brought up better and everybody has a, I'm going to say it, a better world. These are two different
7: visions, aren't they, sir? Yeah, when we when we look at the overall category of what we call social It really means many, many things. It means sharing my life through images or videos. It means consuming content. On Roblox, we think of social as in real time doing things together, more akin to what we used to do in real life or on the phone. We still do, of course, in real life, but during COVID, we weren't able to. We think that's an area that's really, it can be a very civilized platform. We want to be the place where, you know, of all ages, it's a civil society on our platform. So we're optimistic about this real time communication aspect of Roblox.
1: All right. Now let's go back for a moment to the idea of of making some money. Shareholders brand experience, examples, uh, spatial voice, layered clothing, custom materials. These are opportunities where you can make a ton of money if you think it's the right time to turn it on.
7: Yeah, we want to do this gently. Everything we do is always, first, our values, safety, civility. Second, we tend to do things way before laws, regulations, or guidelines. And at the same time, anything we do around monetization will be fully compliant with that. But yes, our avatar system is getting much richer. Uh, we're moving to all of the avatar items in our catalog being created by our users, which is will be a much more rich app ecosystem for our avatars. Our spatial voice, we're introducing that once again, very gently and older for older players right now, but that will in- improve the ability to communicate. So there's a lot of economic upside that we can do consistent with our values of safety and civility. All right. So let's
1: talk about bookings, which you said is a reliable way to look at it. Bookings were down a little bit, but is it not possible that we could see that bookings are the top line metric get better when we get, say, six months from now and the comparisons aren't so crazed?
7: Yeah, I mean, we're March was a very difficult compare. We were all locked down a year ago. We are, you know, we're happy that April we've seen that start to turn around. We think longer term, we'll see booking start to catch up with user growth
1: will your employees tolerate the idea that perhaps you're not necessarily going to hit it out of the park right now, like so many other companies in your your sector?
7: Yeah, well, I think we are going to hit it out of the park. And I do think our employees are, you know, one of our other values in addition to respecting the community is taking the long view. We're very excited about what we're building. I was just on a group review 10 minutes ago, and it's amazing what we're building for the future. And, you know, our employees are here for multiple reasons, including the vision, of course, including their compensation. But it's a much more holistic employee. That's kind of a Roblox employee.
1: Well, at the same time, I mean, your your employees, like everybody else, are aging up. You're, I mean, when I first heard about your company, it was from my trainer who had an 8-year-old. Now it's from my trainer. I mean, I think that what's happened here is that people recognize the greatness of it, and it's not something from 8 to 12 anymore.
7: Yeah, our fastest growing cohorts are 17 through 24 and 25 and up. And those cohorts have enormous headroom. You know, we're a cultural phenomena for nine through 12 year olds in the U.S. But internationally, we have enormous headroom. I mentioned Japan and India um, and for older players who once again uh, are on Roblox as part of a very civil, safe society. There's enormous headroom there. Okay, uh, last question. I I saw the release,
1: Spotify Island brings new experiences for fans and artists to Roblox. You are always doing new things in different media. Never, There's almost no end to who you're willing to collaborate to bring greatness to. How is this working?
7: We, we sometimes people call this user-generated content or UGC. Internally, we call it self-service, which is really hard to build a platform where brands and musicians can come to the platform, sometimes even without our assistance, and that's where it's going. But, you know, in this quarter, we saw the NFL, we saw Madden, uh, sorry, McLaren, we saw American Eagle, we saw Chipotle, we saw Spotify, we saw Sonic. So more and more, these are starting to show up organically without us having to do a lot of special custom work.
1: Oh, by the way, the McLaren, pe- McLaren people were crazy about I don't know why that one really drove home. Obviously, uh, that, is that just Formula One, it's just hot right now?
7: You know, I don't know if it's the fact that the whole C-suite of uh, Roblox loves Formula One or that one of our board members is very closely affiliated, or we just, you know, the Roblox community loves McLaren, but it's been really attractive.
1: Well, look, I just think you're doing everything right. You just got to keep doing it. You got to stick by your guns. Look, if you were losing fortunes and you had no cash flow, it would be a different conversation, frankly. But that's not you. Thank you. That, that's never been you. That's Dave Mizuki founder and CEO of Roblox. Now, guys, everyone said the stock was going to go down. It didn't go down. So maybe you should be thinking about it right now. Man Money's back after the break.
4: Just chill out. Just this Chill Master Jay?
1: The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy.
4: The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns.
1: It is time. time the right. We'll get back to the right. The the and, and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet that. Sunny, Illinois. Sunny. Hey,
5: Jim, a big get-rich-carefully Chicago booyah to you, my sure friend. Sure,
1: trying to get rich, trying to keep people from getting poor uncarefully. What's going on? <laughs> hey,
0: Jim, man, I'm sitting on a load of cash right now. What should I do with my money? I'm thinking about investing in Cisco. What's your
4: opinion
1: on um, I think you do slowly in Cisco. The stock does not act well. They're doing some reorg security. I don't know why I had to do that. Don't be aggressive in anything. Watch what we're doing with the Travel Trust. We're picking and picking and picking at different levels. We still got some cash. We have to raise some cash in order to be able to get some bad stuff in to high grade the portfolio, but nothing big. Mike in New Hampshire, Mike. Yeah, Mike in New Hampshire. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Mike. Is here. The bees are attacking the Azaleas and life is good. I'm Oh man, I gotta old. get some bee balm this weekend. A speculator. You got the luck on me. What's going on? Okay. I'm trying to uh, move my uh, investments towards uh, income returns, substantial interest on real estate and equities. I already have. I'm looking to ship to high dividend, solid companies. Uh, LNG, I believe, is the fuel of the future. LNG. LNG is very good. I like the idea. I, you know, I happen to be very partial to oil and natural gas. Biggest section of my portfolio when I keep building and building and building. I think that's very good. Charles in Georgia. Charles. Jim, what's going on? Hello from the south. I have I'm one question for you. I'm trying to stay off you. the dirty Linoleum floor with some cheap scotch. That's what's going on. What's happening with you? <laughs> All right, Jim. I have one question for you. What is wrong with KKR and the rest of the private equity markets? Well, I think that you should be in Blackstone, not, K- not KKR. I think Blackstone's got better yield and it's got a better management right now. And that Ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the
4: Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, what did the irreverent CEO of RH see coming that most of us missed? Kramer looks back on Gary Friedman's far sighted warning. Next.
1: Six weeks ago, we were still living the dream, weren't we? Sure, Russia had invaded Ukraine. We knew the Chinese were adopting some sort of weirdly draconian policy to stop the spread of COVID. But we didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. In fact, we almost totally ignored it until we heard from Gary Friedman, one of the greatest merchants of our time, who turned a tchotchke-selling hardware store into a palace called Restoration Harbor, one of the greatest retail powerhouses on Earth, now known as RH. Freeman got downright unhinged on the conference call. It was anything but scripted. He was terrified. He talked about the appearance of a sudden slowdown. His customers were some of the wealthiest people in the world. We figured they'd keep sitting on their yachts, going to the $400 lunches, buying whatever they wanted. Not according to Gary. Even rich people pulling their horns when the global economy is giving them bad vibes. Now we're discovering just how prescient that conference call really was. Even if Friedman sounded a little Crazy at the time. I know better than anybody. You can be both crazy and right at the same time. Just listen to some of the things that Gary said on the call. quote. When all this, all of a sudden, your business kind of drops by ten to twelve percent overnight, and there's just more news and unrest in the world. You got to change what you're doing if you don't change, things won't change. So we are changing things. End quote. What was he changing? He recognized that housing was going to come down and come down fast. He said it's all happening too fast. Quote. All of a sudden. Boom, we got a war. Russia invades Ukraine. Boom. Yellen says inflation going from 4 percent to 2 percent. and It goes to 7.5 percent. Boom. And Powell says we're behind. He goes on, quote, everybody thinks the supply chains are getting better. I don't think they're getting better at all, end quote. He then compared this period to 2008, 2009 during the housing recession. That was terrible. But what's happened since then? Well, it's not just that, RH stock is going to a 52-week low. That was pretty much in the cards. All those predictions have proven true. He didn't even go into a rolling crash of the stock market or crypto, something that's hurt a smaller, lower-quality competitor, Wayfair. And Gary, I apologize, I put him in the same paragraph as you, but humor me. When I read over Gary's words now, I recognized it wasn't panic speaking. It was the empirical sales numbers of a great business person, which I'm sure, unfortunately, have yet to stabilize. Why is all this so important? Because if Fed chief Jay Powell is going to win his battle against inflation, a big part of that is making it so that the idly rich stop spending so much money. Right now, they're bidding up everything with their second and third houses for the days so when they don't have to go into the office. I'm not saying j Morgan is targeting companies like RH. That would be terrible. I'm saying the customers who shop at RH are often the kind of people who do worry about Russia, Ukraine, or interest rates. And they don't want to be capital starved if something goes wrong. So you know what they do? They take the money out of the stock market to go shop, not necessarily to shop at RH. They buy treasury bills. And that's exactly what they've been doing in the recent months. The only difference? Gary saw it first. Now we're all seeing it. Homes are going to come down in price. Travel is getting too expensive. Jobs are beginning to be lost. And it's all happening right before our eyes. Gary Friedman, belated congratulations. You saw it ahead of all of us. Now the rest of us will see it very soon. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise i to find it just for you right here when we have money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.